I don't do the most, but I do a lot. I'ma make a toast, cause we still alive. No big, I feel like Pac. I shoot a shot. I'm coming in. I bring the fire, but you never seen her I testify, I don't need a subpoena They want my soul, better go to Korea I love my dog, just like I'm Peter Gotta protect him, I made the call up, but just like I'm reffing I know we left here, now we back together But I guess that is better now, later than never Like, mm, what's happening? I'ma need y'all quit asking when Me and my wife gonna have some kids Right now we just practicing Practicing, teacher said quit rapping, man That gonna hurt my average I said, thank God I ain't average Yeah, I'm a bright young man Kill the GPA, GPA. and the BPM. BPM. Look, we on. So say what you say, cause that's A with Lecrae. From the A train to the A, I'm coming in. I don't do the most, but I do a lot. I'ma make a toast, cause we still alive. No big, I feel like Pac. I shoot a shot. I'm coming in. Wake em up, wake em up, wake em up, wake em up. See, I'm still sleeping, so I had to shake them up. Shake em up. I kept it too real. Yeah. I wasn't faking up. No. My real life was a headline. headline. Your real life got a deadline. deadline. My timeline was a hashtag. Yeah. Your timeline just a hate crime. Coming in hot, yeah. feeling like pop. Yeah. Back in I4 when he took five shots. Too much drive to ride your wave. Ditch my top and I'm off that lot. Black on black on black on black on black on black on black. You don't have to ball a rap to get them racks on racks. Uber poolers trying to catch my vibe and find my way. Yeah, I know, I know I'm ratchet, but I'm really safe. Hot sauce dripping. Everybody want to start dipping. First, nobody want to listen. Now everybody pay attention. Now everybody pay fee. Even Trump got to take a knee. When the horn blow, y'all going to see. Make the wall fall down like, yeah. I don't do the most, but I do a lot. I'm going to make a toast because we still alive. No big. I feel like Pac. I shoot the shot. I'm coming in hot. Coming in hot. Coming in hot. Shoot that shot. Shoot that shot. Shoot why not? Ain't why not? Ain't no big. Ain't no big. Feel like pop. Feel like pop. We can't lose. We can't stop. We can't stop. Yeah, coming in hot. Coming in hot. Coming in hot. Shoot that shot. Hey, why not? Hey, why not? Hey, watch out. And we're back with the District 3 Podcast. Episode number 49. Welcome back and thank you all for listening. Today we have a good friend. Um, He's the co-founder of Hands Up NWA. I've known him for quite a few years now. A very positive person who does a lot of of good work in the community. Um, And one thing I like about him is that he does things for the right reason. Jared Carter, thank you for joining us today, Jared. I appreciate you having me, Robert. 
Hey, Jared, so I, I know that you have been very vocal just about a lot of social issues, specifically the Black Lives Matter movement. And that's, you're one of the, I think you might have been the first person I ever saw here in Arkansas uh, organize for the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, I think it was back in like 2014 when I really, I got to know you and, and you did um, the Ferguson Solidarity um, stopping the traffic on the corner. I think it was the corner of Dixon and College, right? That's correct. Um, in front the, of the courthouse. Yeah, in front of the courthouse. Um, how has the movement changed from then till now? Has it gone forward? Has it gone backwards? Got all your perspective on that? Uh, man, it's just really has been overwhelming uh, uh, to see um, the change that's that's going on and, and kind of you know going and, and doing things on my own. Um, and you know, I'll, I'll just say the first time I protested here, you know, I sent out a tweet and I was like, I'm going protesting at this time. Um, starting on Greg, which is kind of where I lived at that time. And um, I sent out a tweet, nobody responded. <laughs> uh, once I got back home later on, uh, the only person who ever responded uh, was Tina Gaston. So, oh, Tina. Um, and that is the co-founder, like you said, of uh, Hands Up NWA. But, uh, from that now, from from going one to two uh, to you know there were four people, there were three people that that uh, that decided to help stop traffic with me. Yeah. Uh, that day. It was uh, Nick Robbins, David Garcia, uh, uh, Jane Stitt mm -hmm. as well, right? Yeah, and uh, you know, so from me going to those four to to seeing uh, the overwhelming response uh, in Northwest Arkansas as far as you know having protests uh, here in Bentonville. Uh, you know, multiple protests in Rogers uh, and in the Fayetteville area to seeing the growth uh, and response just in this area um, is, is a big deal and it's, it's special to me. And I, I can relate a lot to that because I remember like back in 2010, uh, 2009, whenever we were organizing like for immigrant rights, man, there wasn't support at all. <laughs> like I, it was so I, sad. I remember you being a one-man band a lot of days, man. I, I remember you uh, seeing you as a brother in the fight. Like, I remember, like, like there wasn't much support, you know? Like, you, you would tell people the importance of what the movement was and how you needed the help of people, you know? You needed the help of, we would talk to Democrats. We would talk to, to folks who were uh, a little bit more moderate. And people would be like, yeah, yeah, we support the Dreamers. Yeah, yeah, we support um, other issues. But they wouldn't really, like, show up at events. Uh, I remember whenever we had situations where raids would happen mm -hmm. in uh, different businesses here in Springdale, there wasn't a support system of folks that would show up to protest with you, right. you know? Right. And I kind of feel that's probably the same thing with the Black Lives Matter movement back then. It was just like people supported, but they really wouldn't stand up with you, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. And um, now seeing uh, you were at the Fable protest, mm -hmm. um, so how, knowing back then when you were doing this work and there wasn't a lot of support, uh, when you and Tina were out there with uh, Hands Up NWA, and then seeing uh, the turnout at the Fayetteville location, uh, what did that mean to you? Um, that, that, like I said, that was that was huge uh, to see to see the response, and uh, you know, uh, as you know, over over the years, like you were saying, there are so many people who are you know are, are vocal about it, um, but like you said, um, as far as them showing up. Um, that's that's the major difference that that I've seen uh, is that people are willing to show up now, um, and, and there's a lot of people who, uh, because of their jobs or whatever the case may be, uh, who are more than willing. I, you know, I've seen uh, here as a blade, especially uh, able to put you know 
um, you know, finances or anything that, that we're that we're needing or you know, support as far as pouring milk in people's eyes uh, at at at, mm. at these uh, rallies. Um, mm. So it, you know, everyone has an avenue and a lane uh, that they can help, and it's it's nice to see people stepping up and, and using them. Yeah. So. So I'm not sure if you want to talk about this, but I remember you made a post like a I'm week, like a week. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the kind of person I think you are, that you're not scared, Jared. So that's why I, I bring this up on the air. Um, you, you talked about an experience that you had with the Fayetteville Police Department. And I'm not sure if you wanted to elaborate a little bit more on that uh, for the folks listening in today. Uh, I mean, there's I, I can pick a few, um, you know, but um, just, you know, that time in particular, uh, like I said, I was. Uh, was at, at at the Razorback uh, football game. Um, my brother was a, was a, a ball player here at the time, uh, and some of his you know good friends uh, you know from here locally uh, were Razorbacks also, um, and some kids that I've coached were Razorbacks as well. So uh, just there in support um, for those for those athletes. Uh, we all know that they've had a rough uh, couple of you know past couple of years. Um, so at that at that particular time, I was the only one kind of in my section that was standing up cheering um like you say you know i'm very vocal and those are my boys so uh just encouraging them uh not you know not using any vulgar language or anything like that uh, that's not the way i coach anyway so but uh there's a gentleman behind me uh he told me i needed to sit down because uh, mm. his girlfriend couldn't see mm -hmm. uh so i just i turned around i looked at him uh i didn't say anything didn't say anything at all uh went back to the game just you know uh back to what i was doing uh he made a couple of more statements. Uh, I, I I turned around, uh, and then when I looked over, uh, there was a sheriff uh, standing uh, in the aisle. Uh, he had asked me. He, he told me motion for me to come over to the aisle. Now there was probably twenty to thirty people uh, sitting around in our section that all had you know motion pointed at him, said it was him that started it, mm -hmm. uh, so on and so forth. Um, the sheriff still told me I needed to come over to the aisle. Uh, when I came over to the aisle, you know, he proceeded to tell me, let's go up under the, you know, up under the stadium. So from there, uh, you know, he asked me to tell him what happened. Uh, but all, you know, while I'm talking to him, he's on his radio, he's looking this way and that way. So, you know, then some, another person walks up, another officer walks up, then they tell me to tell him what happened. And then they go off and, you know, they're, they're not listening to me at all anyway. Uh, so, um, you know, I waited, waited. Um, there was an officer. Uh, I'm not going. I'm not even going to put him out there. But there was an officer um, that uh, had been at one of our protests when we had a protest on Dixon, uh, when we protested and marched to the police station. Yeah. Uh, he was the officer, the, the, the lone officer they sent to escort, and all he was doing was just blocking off the crosswalks while we were going. Yeah. So he already knew me. He had my information. He had my email. He had emailed us and told us he's a minority officer. So he told us how much it was a privilege uh, to be, you know, a part of it and how it was awesome that he could help us, you know, uh, exercise our rights and that type of thing. So yeah. he knew me on a first name basis, had my number, my email, like I said. So I, I, most, I asked for him to come over and uh, he played the good old boys club there with his friends. And I was like, he said, I need your information. And I was like, man, you know me, you have my name and my my email and all that type of stuff. And he, like, right when I said that, book him, Danny. Like, with that, like, he motion, he was the one that motioned for them to grab me. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, within a matter of moments, I was on my collarbone and, you know, that type of thing. But 
um, yeah, that, I mean, uh, I had spoke, I, um, Chief Gahagans, I spoke with him after the fact. Um, he said, you know, he wishes it was something he could have done, but he wasn't there at the time. Um, but at the same time, I, you know, that's, that's, that's one of many issues that I had with them over the years. Uh, I've seen the way that they've handled things out on Dixon. Uh, you know, me being a young musician, back in the day, uh, we weren't allowed to have shows. And then I'm going and asking these bartenders and bar, bar owners, why not? And, and, you know, it's because they don't want to get, you know, the police are going to find a reason to, mm -hmm. to slap a fine on them, you know, and that's part of the reason that they had the dress codes out there. So, I mean, it, it goes deeper, you know, than, than just, you know, one incident. Uh, with them and, and the way I've seen them treat people, uh, you know, treat women out on dicks and that type of thing. You know, I have a, I have a deep, deep, deep issue with them. Have, are you originally from here, from Arkansas? Uh, I'm not. My dad is from Pine Bluff, and uh, uh, I'm from Texas. Okay. And um, but I moved up here. Uh, my dad moved up here in '92, and I moved up here in '99 uh, and started going to school. So you, uh, along with Tina Gaston, created uh, Hands Up NWA. Um, how did that come about? Was it after she uh, responded to your tweet? Yeah. Um, that just kind of became a tag team. Uh, we kind of just saw holes in the community and, and just started filling gaps and, and doing what we could. Um, also, um, Haley Smith, DJ Adams, they were some students that were here at the U of A at that time, and uh, they really just did so much, um, as, like I said, as far as just, just filling gaps. Um, like I said earlier, everybody has avenues, but if, if people ain't filling in their lanes, and that's when you have people doing, getting stretched thin and, and trying to do two and three or four things at once. But uh, yeah, we, uh, we did the best we could, and um, I feel like um, I'm proud uh, of, of those three, especially because they, they you know, um, they're starting to get to see some of the change uh, that that they provided and what their their elbow grease uh, turned into. So, and like you said, you you were at the Fayetteville protest. Um, can you talk a little bit about the interaction of police officers in that protest? I know a lot of people, specifically within the black community, felt uncomfortable with so much uh, police presence. Yeah. Um, and I just kind of wanted to hear your feedback on that. Uh, with, I mean, with any of my protests and any time I've ever done it, I never invited or, or, or wanted the police to come. I feel like uh, if, if we're assembling peacefully, then I, I don't feel like there's, there's a need for them there. Uh, I also feel like, number two, when things do get escalated, it's because they're there. You know, a lot of times I, I know what's reported in the media, but I've seen with my own eyes where they started, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and we're, we're starting to see it recently, uh, you know, uh, now we have the cameras out. So that, that's that's the only difference. Uh, but it's been happening. So, uh, you know, I don't I don't agree with it. And then then I, I just, you know, everything now we talk, talk about things being a safe space and safe spaces. That wasn't a safe space for me as a black man. Mm -hmm. That's had the type of interactions I had with the police. I don't think it would have been a safe space for George Floyd, you know, and you putting his name on the poster and then I, I just don't, I don't agree uh, with the choices that were made. Uh, like I said, I think, I think it was a feel good situation for a lot of people and people that are stepping up and finally doing something. That was, that was something that they finally, you know, an effort that they made, but it goes so much 
past that, you know. And like I said, but but as far as it being a safe space, it, it wasn't for me and several other people um, that I've spoken with. Mm. Do you think things have gotten better in Fayetteville specifically from uh, when you started organizing till now, um, just with uh, relations between the black community and police, or have kind of things kind of still remained the same? No, I, I think I think what what happens is we always we always run into a stalemate. We do have these these big grand gestures, you know, the police kneeling and throwing up the black power fist and all that type of thing. And but all it ends up being is a photo op. Mm-hmm. You know, we get together, we take these pictures. You have these several organizations like yeah. that you are a part of, that I'm a part of. Mm-hmm. Some of the organizations we're not invited to be a part of. Yeah. Um, but they get together with the police and, you know, nothing really happens in these meetings except, you know, we get together and we shoot the shizzle and talk about, you know, how are the kids and, and you know, you know what school they go to and, and this type of thing. But nothing ever really gets hammered out. You know, nobody um, is having these tough conversations because they're tough. And I understand why it's easy to avoid, but nobody's really in there having those conversations. And that's why nothing's getting done. Uh, and if... if if, if my memory serves me correct, um, the number of police killings, police involved killings uh, since uh, 2014, 15, when we were saying not my city and all this type of yeah. stuff, they've actually gone up. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the number of unarmed deaths by the police have actually gone up in, 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 in Fayetteville. So um, that's, that's how I know that we're not really getting down to the nitty gritty and actually trying to make this uh, what we're saying it is on paper. and. and you know, it, it, it is that on paper for some people, but it's, it certainly isn't for everyone. So you think the, um, I don't want to say solution, because I don't, know, I don't know if we can reach a solution, um, but do you think the pathway to the solution, or pathway to a better uh, community in regards to relations um, between law enforcement and the, and the black community is, uh, starts with discussion on, and, and you said it starts with discussing uh, the issues that are difficult to um, to talk about, just in general, um, what are like what what would be those kind of conversations that that you would have in mind? Like, what are some of the key points that you feel need to be discussed? Um, uh, I, I find the way that the, that uh, the South Side of Fayetteville, uh, the things that the way things are going on for the last. Uh, four to five years and even beyond that I, I find it disgusting mm. uh, when, when you have a you know when you you have a grocery store where you go in there and you can't find any vegetables that aren't brown you're looking for the least brownest vegetable mm. um, you know when uh, you end up taking that grocery store and now you got you know you, you know you got moms that are walking uh, two miles with kids uh, to go get some spaghetti and, and, and a can of sauce man like that, that type of thing burns me up you know, and then I have these people that, you know, we're at these fancy galas and somebody's yeah. paid for me a ticket and they come up and ask me what, what can I do or, or you know, what, what, what needs to be addressed. And I mention them, you know, and they say, oh, I never thought of that. But then yeah. it's never, nothing ever happens. Mm-hmm. You know, those type of things. Mm-hmm. Um, they got to be addressed, um, you know. I feel you on that because, like, we have in Springdale as well, we have kind of like a divide. And if you go to the harps, that's on my, like, close to where I live, that's where you find, like, the vegetables that are, like, so oh, close yeah. to expiring oh, yeah. and, 
and you go to the one on the other side, it's like fancy and it's got oh, like yeah. the new it's vegetables. The same thing up, same thing here up and you you run run right up two sixty five and you go to crossover, and, and the heart's there. That's where all the it, you know everything's nice and laid out. You got sushi in the front and mm. all that type of stuff. Um, if it wasn't for like the Mexican business stepping up on our side of the. Of the of Springdale, like yeah, we the have produce. the fresh right. vegetables yeah. and right. everything. If it wasn't because of them, we'd probably be like we wouldn't have access to them unless we go to the other side of town. Right. So I completely understand. Right. That. And a lot of people don't have the ability to go to the other side of town. You know, mm -hmm. uh, that 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 type of thing. But they knew that in advance. And then you build you build another grocery store, you know, right up the hill. But like I said, you know, two miles that's a long way. Yeah. Definitely. Um, three miles is a long way um, for some people. Uh, you know, but you know that's in the that's in the historic district. Uh, you know where people can you know shell out a few bucks. So, and going going back to what you said about people asking for your input and not following up on ideas, I think um, something that was recently brought to my attention, which I didn't really think about, but is important, um, is that when folks of other communities reach out to folks of oppressed communities asking for their input on things, uh, asking on how to better their programs or business, they should be getting paid for that. No doubt. Right? No and doubt. we don't, and, uh, and I, I hadn't really thought about that, but I understand because whenever you have to like relive your traumas just to make someone's business organization or project better, then folks should be paid for their like mental labor, you know? Uh, and I think that's something that we definitely need to work on um, just with with any organization or any movement that wants to that wants to better something uh, by asking uh, of opinions of oppressed communities like pay people for their labor I think that's important um, and I, th I think besides the organizing that you do uh, with with hands up in WA Jared um, you I've been to several of the events that y'all have done uh, with open mics can you talk about that? I know that right now probably not. There's not much going on with that, but uh, once this pandemic is over, hopefully y'all get back into it. Uh yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, we started open mics here. Uh, I guess about so the, uh, the the following February after after Mike Brown. That was when we we had our first uh, open mic. Uh, and I. I I think, uh, we, yeah, we started at the Perk on Weddington, and that's now 612 uh, mm -hmm. Coffee Shop, but yeah. Y'all had a special name for the, the events that y'all did, right? What was it called? Well, I was going to say, I think the first one had some, some like, corny name, like Fire <laughs> and Ice or something, <laughs> or something like that, and then uh, we moved on to, to Poetic Justice. Oh, that's... Um, and, yeah, but uh, we went from there to Common Grounds. Uh, and then common grounds closed, so we kind of had to bounce around there and find a home, uh, and keep going. But uh, we're over at uh, Mighty by Design uh, Therapeutic Art Studio okay. uh, on Sunbridge. I think it's 392 Sunbridge uh, in Fayetteville, and um, we we enjoy it over there. Miss Keisha uh, and Miss Stacy uh, take real good care of us. Stacy Harper hosts with me sometimes. Okay. Uh, but yeah, we. Um, Y'all haven't done any online things. Uh, we have some stuff planned. Uh, we're going to let... Uh, so Juneteenth popped off uh, last night, and I was going to say uh, they, uh, Georgia's uh, allowed uh, you know, our community to do something there. Um, and it was like kind of an online thing. Oh, so, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. So 
um, that, that's kind of what we'll be doing that same type of vibe um, and then we'll just allow our uh, our uh, our participants put your cash app up on screen you know we'll put your cash app up on screen and people can donate to you that way um, when you perform um, but yeah it's always you know I, I love the variety part of it so I'm always you know welcoming I want more comedians to come um, but you know that type of thing but yeah sing, I always want to hear some singing or some rapping or some uh, we have we have uh, a couple of people that come in and dance uh, of course poetry spoken word I've done poetry uh, on, on one of them yeah yeah for think, sure yeah for sure. a while back but I remember yeah. that so yeah it's it's wide open and then also there uh, since we're at the art studio uh, you also have the ability to paint um, and then Miss Keisha if you'd like will get up and uh, dissect what you painted and uh, kind of give you a, uh, a synopsis of what she feels like is going on with you uh, as far as your painting. So we got a kind of a real cool vibe, uh, you know, going on. Manny, if you want to dance. I'm not much of a dancer, you know. <laughs> you definitely don't want me in dancing. But, hey, you know, I'll do some freeform stuff, you yeah, know. We, we'll I mean, we've out. had, like, a little bit of everything. We've had, uh, like, a young Marshallese, like, you know, all teenage band come in. Uh, okay. That was recommended from one of the one of the ladies that's a regular. Um, and then what we also like to do is if you have a business or you offer a service in the community, just come in and plug yourself. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Uh, and just give people the opportunity to connect and know what's out there. Uh, we have Where can people find like more information on that if they want to look it up online? Uh, you can look on Facebook, uh, Mighty by Design Therapeutic Art Studio. Um, and like it'll always um, they'll always post uh, and you'll you also get some healthy other stuff on there and some other events that go around in the community uh, for kids uh, especially while they're out of school as far as art projects and staying healthy and staying in shape and uh, all that type of stuff so um, yeah they, they they always keep them keeping keeping the, the post fresh this Keisha's gonna stay on it so you'll, you'll definitely know uh, when uh, we're able to get back up and running. But uh, I'm, I'm guessing we are going to do something either July or August okay. as far as, um, uh, you know, online. And then uh, you also help out people with, like, their physical fitness too, right? Yes, sir. Uh, where can you be reached about that, people, uh, which I am probably should I probably should be reaching out soon because I need really need to, <laughs> need to yeah, get on it, you know. Uh, where can to. people find you for that? Uh, Coach Carter Fit on Facebook or Coach Carter Speed, Power, and Agility on Instagram. Um, yeah, that's... That's uh, training is, is 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 just another part of um, what it takes to get this girl in college. But yeah, <laughs> we're gonna um, we're gonna get you right. Um, I do nutrition plans. And I say right now we're doing. Uh, you know, I do uh, video uh, training too, so okay. I can get you right at home uh, with without the you know risk the contact and all that type of thing. Yeah. So, and you're gonna you're gonna help us by ending this uh, this program here with a poem, right? Yes, sir. I can do it for you. And uh, well, well, first, want to thank you for for being here. I know it's hot. It's really hot, not only outside but in the studio. So I appreciate you making you got me the time. sweat my perm out, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but uh, we appreciate you being here on this episode 49 of the District Three Podcast, and uh, ending us with a poem today. Ending this episode with a poem is uh, Jared Carter, and the poem is called. America the Beautiful. Okay. <clears throat> Stage is yours, Jerry. Sometimes it seems I lose track of times because history repeats itself for lack of real history book lines. 
Most of the times, Hugh's darker friends' declines are described as a conflict on the time strip where the world power conquered without a rift and our former culture was so under par and unequipped that we monkeys ice cream were ready for banana split to live in a great place where we live in great deficit where the leaders don't dedicate themselves to the law they defecate on it things wrong list long story of turns and twists and at the top is where this false start stops in the land of the free enough to start our own country but not enough to grow our own crops have you ever heard the saying the buck stops here have no fears tears or feelings if you can't fall in line and want to be different here let's have some riddling let's earn purple hearts with the blood and the blue seas crossed with a white canvas mask atop a wooden seahorse can you get us a day off if you go off course or if you got a fluenza from wearing sandals in the winter with cargo shorts the jameses and the joneses are still losing the police war but at least in 2016 they still let someone so dark join the force cell phone video just a bad cell phone video exposed how bad it is and how bad it really was before 5-0 shooting at the dark like fighter pilots from star wars Tell you get on the ground, then kick you in your face when you're on all fours. Take you down a notch. You know you had no business with your chest stuck out and your head held high. You know the drill. You've done it before. And the great thing is, where that came from, there's more. America, the beautiful. Hey, thank you. Thank, thank you. you for that, Jared. Right on, We're going right to go on. to a, a song recommendation that you gave us. Uh, Manny, what is it? See how the Prince, Barry White. Midnight seems so nice to me. It's the start of a new day. And there's no place in this world that I'd rather be than right here with midnight and you. Saha! It started around 1976 Back when white folks was the only ones selling bricks A little Mary Jane was the most you got arrested with They hit you with some charges but it really never stick Back when my daddy was bumping earth when it fired Blowing earth from the earth and the wind wants to hit the fire We wasn't selling then, shouted we was just the buyers This was back when blacks first started getting higher Then something conspired in the early 80s, this one Ronald Reagan introduced her to that perfect lady. If you cook it right, it's just like you're cooking rice. Now your pockets looking right, then you bought your first Mercedes. Now people getting addicted, mamas having early babies. The streets is getting crazy, so you bought your first 380. Huh. And that's when niggas started dying every night. So go and sell some weed, cause nigga, this shit can carry life. I'm here to bury white. I'm here to bury white. Well, for decades, it's been rumored that the United States government was secretly sponsored cocaine in the country. I'm here to bury white. Nationwide, especially among the young. A drug Fast forward, 1998's the year It started as a hustle, niggas made it a career Now we fucking bitches got paper up to here Niggas killing in the 90s, thought the 80s was severe All the leaders in the hood, they took y'all from us Fucked around and gave them all football numbers Like rap shows, niggas was getting booked all Some of them folks don't give a fuck about you Throw the book at your mama your honor, imagine growing up without a father. 
Section A, your family always gotta ride the martyr. Selling drugs was the only way I got a starter. Jacket and some joints is what the television taught us. And our daughters, missing with no Amber Alert. Probably with some little boys with their hands up a skirt. Her mama dancing, go to work. Even got married twice, cause her first husband got indicted for that Barry White. That's why I'm here to Barry White. I'm here to bury white. I'm here to bury white. Thousand in the streets grew violent From the bacon soda and the see-through pirates Mixed it with the yellow, be careful when you meet new clients For the love of money, they'll creep through silent All you hear is police blue sirens He used to play ball into a D2 college Dropped out, met a plug from overseas who's supplying Whoever thought niggas in the streets knew science How we get them bricks if we ain't never owned a boat They give you more time for hard than for soft but on the low The laws were made against us, that's how they really lynched us Cause we only sold crack, we was never known for coke They say it ain't over till the fat lady sings But it's crazy how your own partner can hold a note Better than Kelly Price just to save his petty life Instead of giving you Barry Sanders They gave you Jerry Rice, that's why I'm here to bury White Let's sprinkle some crack on him and get out of here We're back, part two of the District 3 podcast, episode... 49. 49. Thank you, Overing, for always keeping track of those. Always uh, keep track, because I know I've gotten the number wrong several times, and people have called me out on it, so yeah, I just want to make sure that... I can count on you to either mess it up or remember it. Either or way. call me out when I mess it up. Yeah, I'll definitely... I'll, I'll try my best to keep Thank you Thank you, I appreciate that. Uh, You're but a good friend. <laughs> we're joined by Natasha, Natasha Devon. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Um, we we kind of connected through one of our friends, uh, Rebecca, from the last next theater project um she obviously latinx theater project is it's a uh a theater project that tries to give um a a different perspective on theater um here in northwest arkansas um how how do you kind of know that theater group and and all those friends so um rebecca and i both work at theater squared Mm -hmm. um and we met maybe I want to say two years ago during a project, um, the new play festival at Theater Squared Mm -hmm. and the Latinx projects, they were a part of that new play festival at Theater Squared. And I've always like seen them around and I've seen their performances and I've been able to meet so many of the members and I met Rebecca through that project. And then this past year, we both work at Theater Squared now. Yeah. So how do you feel? I mean, let just with COVID, you know, Theater Squared has this big, beautiful new theater, and y'all can't even enjoy so much of of what you guys had planned, Um, all all those bills that you guys were were gonna put forward. I mean, how are you feeling, and how are you doing with all that being kind of put on the back burner? It's really selfish because um, my show was the last show we did at Theater Squared, the show I was in, the Royale, 
Um, that was our last show that we were able to do, so I'm really glad. <laughs> <laughs> we got it We through. got that in there before everything happened. No, I take that back. We did and after that, but it was the one with the big cast that we were able to do. It's weird because, as you stated, we had so much planned for this season, but the thing about that company and the way we function is we want to get art out there by any means necessary mm -hmm. and so so much should so much of it is changing like and going virtual like we have um virtual online summer classes that are free to the community um we're going to be doing the new play festival this year virtually um we actually start our rehearsal process for that tomorrow and so it's just figuring out how to still get art to our community while maintaining the social distancing and being safe but it's, it's a weird time for all theater companies and the reality is some of them won't make it past the COVID. Yeah. And that's super sad. Yeah. What is, uh, what is some of the work that you're doing right now? I know that you mentioned the online classes. Um, is there, um, how does the day in your, in your work environment look like right now during COVID? Lord, I am still as busy. Mm. I kind of <laughs> feel like I'm more busy with the COVID, but just in my house, which makes me go crazy. Cause yeah. I'm like, I need a change of pace, a change of environment. But a typical day for me is, um, I work in the box office at Theater Squared. And so it is talking to our patrons and getting show dates rearranged because of the COVID. And I'll leave that. And because I am an artist, then it's some, my, my night is spent doing some kind of project. Mm whether it's um, a radio show that I am doing right now with a friend of mine, Barry Cobbs, um, and a group of us are working on this radio show called Amanda Kills that will be out really soon, and also working with ACA, we're developing a web series um, that will be shot through Zoom, and making sure that I don't slack in my own writing and creating my poetry content and still doing poetry slams but via zoom and having shows where it's like you're in the space and then you leave and someone else comes in so it's like i'm still as busy but because it's so you have to be so cautious it, it takes more energy yeah to create under these circumstances it's, it's almost like that. mentally frustrating mm -hmm. I, I know that's something i talked to urban about i think earlier this week is just like i feel like everything's so so much more mentally draining right now N not that it wasn't like mentally draining before but um just that extra effort to and anxiety from just being at home um, yeah, and just knowing that like if you go out like I, there, it's, it's very scary right now right because there's like obviously covid going around and and i feel safe and I, we're privileged because a lot of us are able to work from home um but it's even stressful being at home knowing that outside it's like people can't run a risk of, of contracting COVID. Yeah. And and even I even stress out not only of myself, but just other folks that don't have that privilege and have to go to work every day, have to go to a factory, have to go to a to a store to work. Um, so I have to I have to sometimes check my privilege and be like, you know what, like I'm being given this opportunity to work from home and yeah, it can be stressful, but a lot of people have it worse. Yeah. Absolutely. And not to mention the people who just can't work at all. Right, yeah. right. Been, you know, let go and unemployed. Mm -hmm. Um, I know myself along with so many other artists so many of our, our events for the summer was cancelled so many jobs and contracts that we had lined up was cancelled and now it's just figuring out a different way to supplement that income that we're not able to get but 
it just makes you stop. Like this whole entire thing with the COVID has just made me stop. And all those little things I say I want to do, I want to complete. Yeah. It's given me the opportunity to do that, to read. So no I'm a excuse, nerd. right? To finish those books. Yeah, I'm such a nerd, <laughs> and I'll buy every book under the sun, yeah. and I'll look at my bookshelf, and I'm like, "You're so hot," but I'm not reading them. <laughs> <laughs> and so I've been spending this time reading the books and the plays that I've bought. Um, so that has been one of the takeaways. Yeah, and you've been. You said that you're working on a on a web series. Yes. Um, what other things have you thought of, like during this pandemic? What new ideas have you had of projects that you want to create? Like, was that web series, the idea, did it come during the pandemic? Or were there other ideas that you've had that you're like, man, I really want to work on this now that I have time or that, or now that, that you're able to have time just to kind of think of new, new projects? Like, what do you have in mind? So one of the web series I'm working on is mine. And mm. we've been trying to get that together for a while now. But the newer one that's um, Zoom format, it wasn't my idea. It was... Um, a co-worker of mine, um, Mark from ACA, um, it was his idea to continue to have the actors who are on our roster to give them a project to do so they're not just sitting at home and, you know, so far away from the arts. For me, and, and this probably sounds bad, and I probably should start thinking in that vein, but I think my creativity, I'm thinking in the vein of when the world opens back up. So in my mind, I'm being so hopeful that this isn't the way of the future. Yeah. And so I'm still creating art like, we're going to be together again. Mm -hmm. We're going to be able to do this. Yeah. But I do have amazing friends. Um, my friend Kalud, um, Laura Shackis, and Nisha, they are creating this amazing thing called Curbside Theater. Okay. I've and heard of this. I've yes. Heard of this. Yeah. Yes. And I got to... Um, kind of rehearse and play around with them for a week um, on the project but it's this amazing thing where they're bringing theater to people's houses like delivering pizza well mm. we're going to deliver this 30 minute show for you and your family it's personalized we're practicing social distancing and can you talk about why that matters right now specifically during the pandemic for people to receive that art I think if, if nothing else I think during this time, if you do not appreciate artists, hmm. you have no soul. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you have to think fire. about it. What are you spending your time doing? You're spending your time reading. That's a writer. That's an artist. You're spending your time watching TV. Those are so creators. Those are actors, writers, directors, lighting props. You're spending your time um, listening to music. Those are artists. And so I think, if nothing else, the art community is literally the thing that has been carrying everyone yeah, through the shoulders. COVID, whether they whether they realize it or not. Yeah. Like, yes, Movies. you've been watched 85 seasons of this show, but that's because artists created that show long mm -hmm. ago. Um, and so, yeah, I think that because of the work that artists do, Granted, we never thought that it would be used in this format or needed in this format. Um, people have been able to stay somewhat sane in COVID. Mm -hmm. But I also think all styles of entertainment and art is important. And so that coming outside, even if it's outside on your doorstep and watching and experiencing, I think 
we watch television, but I think we experience theater. Mm. Um, and so I think with curbside theater, that's a great opportunity to just experience that theater that you miss um, while being safe. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so how long have you been uh, in Northwest Arkansas? So I, this is going into my fourth year here. I came here for grad school. I got my degree in 2019. I got my master's in acting and I just decided to stay. Yeah, that's great. What did you, what did you think of the art scene whenever you came here for grad school? I, I thought it was nice. I thought it lacked diversity. Yeah. Um, which I'm very happy to be a part of the group of people who are pushing that diversity and um, just new avenues for minorities to express themselves, which is why it was so exciting when I did find the Latinx community, like theater projects. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Um, but I, I think that's the thing is because a lot of us here are so spread out, it's kind of hard for us to realize, oh my God, I didn't realize it was so many, let's get together and do projects. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, I can, some in some cases, I think that the art community here can lack a lot of diversity. I think one of the uh, one of the last plays that I've been to, I believe, was Theater Squared Viet Gong. Yes, yes. Did, didn't Kalud have uh, a part in that as well? I believe so. I, I think that was before I came, okay. or either right when I came, and I just wasn't so immersed into the scene. Um, but I do believe she was a part of that. I do know she created um, Ten Thousand Balconies. Okay. That was a part of this season in Theater Square, which was this amazing, heart-wrenching show, and I learned so much about her culture and Mm -hmm. what's going on with her people. Um, And so I'm really excited for art like that to come in. And even with the Latinx Theater Projects, they have this play called Blanket Statements, and I think the name has changed, so please don't quote me. But experiencing that play in two different settings and wa- settings and watching it grow like it's it's heart-wrenching it's beautiful and I, I always commend them on the fact that I never leave one of their shows not educated yeah and I think that the first one I ever went to it was uh, I forgot it was somewhere in Springdale but um, they talked about like the undocumented community and that was like the first time I ever saw any local play like even mention about DACA and the yes. dreamers yeah I'm so educated every time I watch them and they're so talented. Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty good friends with, like, some of them, like Martin uh, and other folks that have been involved in the past. And uh, they're just, they, they do teach you something, even. I thought I was well-educated on just uh, what Latinx communities go through, but they kind of gave, gave me a different perspective. And, uh, and there was some characters that I really related to. Like, for example, being Mexican-American, uh, sometimes you feel like, you're not from America because you're not welcomed here sometimes just because of color of your skin. And when you go to Mexico, you're not welcomed over there because you're talking English and, and folks mm-hmm. don't like that when you go over there, right? And there was a character that had a similar characteristics and uh, personality of someone that has gone through a similar situation like me, being Mexican-American, and I, I kind of left out of there being like, whoa, I guess this is how it feels like when you can actually relate to someone, you know, a character without it being a negative stereotype. Yeah. yeah, I I watched um, one of their shows, and it was in conjunction with one of the new play festivals, and we had a show called Staging the Daffy Dane, which was a Lope de Vega play, or am I saying that right? Yeah. Or Lupe de Vega. Lupe. Lupe de Vega, yeah, yeah. I'm so sorry. 
um, it was an adaptation of one of his plays. And I made a statement. I was like, wow, I, as an African-American woman, it's so easy to feel, um, because we are, but it's so easy to just not realize other oppressed groups because we're so busy trying to fix things within our own community and just realizing, you know, yeah, this country treats us horrible at times, but they can't get rid of us, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. They can't separate me from my mom or my siblings. um, And just realizing that this is a fear that people live with daily, it, it was heartbreaking. Yeah. That was actually the play Rebecca and I worked on. Now that yeah, I think about I, that's, it. That's why y'all connected. That's <laughs> yeah, great. that's actually the play we worked on. <laughs> Just come yeah. back around. <laughs> um, so, you know, that's part of the something that we ha- were talking about with uh, Jared earlier is that the, our community has come a long way mm-hmm. as far as pushing towards diversity. Um, ending 287G. Ending 287G. And, yeah, ending laws, pushing for, for progress all over, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we still feel that there's a long way to go. And, and I think, obviously, now we're seeing with the Black Lives Matter movement, um, there is a little more congeniality within our community. Um, but people still, you know, we still need work. Um, now, I know you've been going to some of the protests. Um, what's kind of just, what was your initial reaction seeing everything and feeling everything? So I've always been an activist. I've always been, I started my protest, I want to say, my work in protest and activism work. I want to say around um, Trayvon Martin, Mike mm. Brown, the Charleston Nine, like during that era, which was maybe four Four, five years, four, five years ago. Yeah. Um, so being at protests is, is nothing new to me. And I'm from Mississippi, so mm. like, <laughs> being in spaces um, when you are protesting that are very uncomfortable, that isn't new to me. I, I find now that with age, my role at a protest has changed. Mm. Um, four or five years ago, I was that kid that was extremely angry with my sign and and I probably would have picked up a brick. I'm just being really honest. Yeah. Um that was it but at the time that was my role. That's what I felt I needed to do. Um now I'm at all of the protests, but my role is a little different. I typically go to each one of them and I set up a table and that table has snacks. It'll have water and chips and granola bars and ice little ice hot packets to cool people down and so now it's about taking care of people. it's about taking care of the younger protesters and god bless you for that because that's that's man when i see people doing that just like the fact that you took time to prepare these things to be able to bring it out to people that are just wanting to 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 you know express themselves in some yeah, way and it's 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 they they also need a face when they're needing to be told hey let's let's back off let's mm-hmm. not do so much in this moment you want that face to look like you and so i find that because i am a woman most of the men will listen to me because i have a nurturing tone and because i am a woman i can be most the women that like the younger women will listen um so my role is i don't mind the way they're protesting now that's just my mm-hmm. personal opinion but my yeah. role there is to make sure that they get home safe. My mm. role is to make sure they're hydrated, they're fed. Um, and while that is beautiful during the day, my table switches at night. Mm. And then there's goggles 
there is towels, there is milk, there's baking soda and water, there is tampons, galls, anything that you would need for supplies of survival. And so, yeah, I think being very aware, um, I was at the Bentonville protest the Monday night when everything happened. Yeah. Um, and I went back the second time mm-hmm. when they redid the protest. But it's also knowing that during the day, this is what's needed. These chips, these water, this, this cupcake. But at night, I also want my community and not just like the black community, but the community of people that are out there protesting. I want them to know if you come back to this table at night, mm-hmm. you will still have what you need. adequate supplies mm-hmm. to get you home. And that's interesting. It was interesting to me to see how uh, the 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 flip was switched um, at, at the all the protests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it was just. Did I say it wrong? You said the flip was. The, the, said the flip the was switch. Switch. Which still sounds pretty cool, though. You know, uh, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, the the nighttime thing. I mean, the the way um, even like especially from a police standpoint, it was like people were starting to think, all right, when are these people going to move out? Yeah. Um, and that's when things obviously things start getting a little more aggressive. I think the second Bentonville protest, it was a little more. Uh, Police kind of knew what was going on a little bit, so they kind of wanted to show you that, like, yeah, they're like, like we messed up the first time. <laughs> our yeah. our uh, yeah. our canisters were expired. You, you said know? it was horrible. It was a show. Yeah, yeah, it was such a show. Because as I, I like, I have a table, so people come mm-hmm. and, and talk to me. And I had one of the cops. He sat beside me. He was like, "Oh, so what is this?" And I was like, "Well, blah blah blah. I'm, you know, having out supplies and." I also made him very aware that I had supplies for the night because mm. I'm, I'm my dad was a cop, so okay. I, I just know what I'm allowed to say, what I'm not allowed to say. Mm. And he made the statement. He was like, "Well, we don't have tear gas tonight," but just the fact that you have to make that <laughs> statement yeah. to yeah. me, yeah. And I feel like they didn't give the protesters a chance. Mm-hmm. They came out fully armored, yeah, with tear gas and rubber bullets and. To me, when you meet voices that are being oppressed and voices that are dying to be heard and you're holding this bat or this baton in your hand. Yeah. While the other people don't have anything. You're showing me you don't want to listen. Mm-hmm. You're showing and you have this, this you, you literally have this like, that little plastic shield mm-hmm. over your face. Like, I can't connect with you as a human. And so if that's what we're trying to do, we're trying to connect as a human, and if the cops are saying they disagree with what happened and they want to be on the side of working to move things in a better direction, all that armor is not telling me that's what you want to do. Right. Yeah. Just from the get-go, the body language was, even when I got there, I mean, the the tension was already high. It was high, even in the daylight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That protest was just high. Yeah, I, I definitely feel like the second one, it was almost... Uh, people were asking, like, almost begging them, like, give us a second chance so that we can, yeah, like you said, have the do-over. Mm-hmm. Um, but you touched on something earlier when we were off air uh, that I kind of want to speak on about how COVID has kind of expanded uh, the movement a bit um, and, and kind of pushed it forward uh, just because, you know, people are stuck at home and, and so on. Yeah, go ahead and give us your thoughts on that. So... I think that black people being killed by the police 
and by racist people. That is nothing new. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That is nothing new. And even so, the videos aren't even new. Like, we've been seeing videos of this since, like, mid to late 2000s. Yeah. Like, Rodney King was in 91. Exactly. And we've had a plethora of videos. We've had a plethora of cases. But it's so easy to be so consumed in work and your day-to-day life to where, oh, that's sad, and I move on. Oh, I don't even have time to view the video, and I move on. But I think that because of the COVID, we have no time but to sit on our phones. Mm -hmm. So many people are sitting on their phones, and also you're sitting around your family. Mm -hmm. And so these uncomfortable conversations that these younger generation of protesters are having with their older parents, like, hey, that's pretty racist. That is not okay. I think it wouldn't, without the COVID, George Floyd would have been another Trayvon Martin, Mm -hmm. another Michael Brown. He would have just been another name and not this big, gigantic um, movement. Mm -hmm. I think because we are in our homes and we're forced to watch the news and it says something when there is a pandemic but so many people are risking their lives mm-hmm. to come out and say, hey, this is so messed up, and how do we fix it? Yeah. But I don't think the attention would be as high if we were not isolated within our homes and if it wasn't for the COVID-19. I do not think that this movement would be so pressing as it is now. I mean, it would be pressing to the black community and we would mourn together, but I don't think it would be a global thing. Yes, like it is now. Absolutely, and I think that's. I mean, a, a lot of people have said this. A lot of people smarter than me have said this, but just the way COVID has uh, pushed forward the economic disparities of of all minorities, mm-hmm. right? And that's something we saw here in Northwest Arkansas um, with the way COVID is affecting the Marshallese community, with the way COVID is uh, is affecting the Latinx community. Um, it, it's it's kind of pushing everything forward in a weird way. Um, in a way that definitely wasn't expected. There's people that have been working on this for forever, mm-hmm. right? People that have been involved with the Black Lives Matter movement for a long time, people that have been working on immigrants' rights for a long time, but now we're kind of seeing um, people being active in a different way because mm-hmm. of COVID, because um, it is pushing it in front of all of our faces. Yeah. Um, our, I mean, it's just like, it's on our phones. It's We talk about it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I think that's one thing if there's one thing positive that we can take away is that at least the exposure is out there yes and we can work on it and now what do we do with that exposure right as minority groups as like the latinx community the immigrants the blacks like what do we what do we now do with this exposure yeah i definitely think that like specifically and first of all i want to say that it's horrible that a life had to have been lost and by by a life i mean george floyd Mm -hmm. um but I do feel that this caused a major shift in the discussion about Black Lives Matter. Because I feel like even folks that didn't even want to say the phrase before because it was controversial, they saw this killing of George Floyd, saw that there was like no excuse mm-hmm. for the police officer on what he did, and they were like, you know what, like their eyes were literally opened. Yeah. And it's very unfortunate that uh, someone's life had to have been lost, but we're hoping that going forward, um, these tragic events at least help in lowering 
and I I, I want to wish that there's a I want to believe that there's a perfect world out there where uh, black folks won't be murdered by police, but I feel like we understand that that's probably not going to happen to the point where one happened yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Right. In Atlanta. In Atlanta. Right. And now Atlanta's. It, I mean, Atlanta's. Yeah, they they. It's, it's heartbreaking just watching the coverage of his interaction with the cops before it happened. He was obviously drinking. I wouldn't say that he wasn't. He was, but he was so friendly. Yeah. He was like, yeah, you know, my kid's got a birthday, and I just, I just bought my girlfriend some food, and she want me to order for it. Like, he was obviously in need of just a ride home. Yeah. And he knew he couldn't drive, so he sat in his car um, and kind of dozed off because he was probably too intoxicated to drive. And I think that is what people mean when they say, defund the police i think that the narrative of that is so negative but i think they're meaning more in alignment with social workers Mm -hmm. and emts and things of that nature sometimes they are more suited on these scenes than the actual police and they're more needed i have a mother who right now she lives alone um we're in transitioning uh putting her into a community Mm-hmm. home but she has early stages of dementia mm-hmm. and she'll call the cops with these accusations that aren't true like no one's been there nothing's yeah. happened um and luckily thankfully the police have been very patient with my mother and understanding um but that's also because my uncle works in that same district and he's an officer my my cousin works in that same district and he's an officer um but without the knowledge that hey she has early stages of dementia this is probably what that is uh, my mother could be harmed yeah yeah and he, even even though she's the one calling the police exactly right? she could yeah. be harmed she, she very much she very well could be harmed and so i think it's for me and that's um what i've been trying to to discuss and preach and well not preach because i don't really like to <laughs> think of it that way but what i've been the thing is America is a pie and we're trying to fix it all at once that is never going to happen because somebody's going to put too many eggs in here somebody's going to put not enough flour the dough is going to be gummy too burnt we cannot fix an entire pie at once as a country it's just not going to happen I think what we can do what is logical what is grasp what we can grasp is slice by slice Mm-hmm. state by state what are the laws in arkansas dealing with police officers who have um the word is skipping my mind right now um de-escalation training de-escalation training mm-hmm. and also who've been accused of racist acts mm-hmm. on the job what is the punishment for that what yeah. is what are the steps that a citizen can take to who do I go to if if you are the person who I feel racially did something wrong to me I can't go to your partner what is that next step and how do we inform the public of those steps Um, I think we need to look state by state because we can't riot and protest every night we cannot 
I mean, even for our own mental health, like it, that's it's so draining. damaging. It's yeah. draining. It's so draining. I get home at night and it's at two and one o'clock in the morning because I like to stay and like clean up the the space and get the trash up. But I get home at like two and three and I have to be back up at nine for work. But I'm exhausted. Mm. And so the next day, I am not my best at work. I'm like misspelling things in emails. Sorry to anybody who's done this. <laughs> like I'm like misspelling words, and I'm like I just want to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. We can't do that every day. So also in addition to snacks, it's like, hey, are you guys registered to vote? Here, are papers, fill them out. I'll mail them in. I'll take that burden on. And exposing yourself to COVID too. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah. And I'm I'm just one of those people that I'm like God, please don't let me catch it. If you see I'm out here doing good, give me that protection, please. Oh, you know, shield me, Jesus. But we can't do that every night. But I think the idea that the protests and the riots have done nothing—that's false. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're thinking of defunding the police in, in Minneapolis, so it's. I mean, yeah, they, no, they disavowed the police already mm-hmm. in Minneapolis. I mean, they got rid of the police department, and I don't think like that's. I think that was necessary necessary in Minneapolis, right? Where, yeah, exactly. Where like they they have a history of of of, of police brutality, mm-hmm. and you know, Philando Castile mm-hmm. um, situation was there. Rest in peace. Um, but you know, it, defunding the police. We're living in a time where cities are trying to find budgets for programs, um, and they're saying we should give maybe a little less here, a little more here, but police departments grow a million dollars every year, Mm. right? Um, And that's true in pretty much every city in America. The money Fayetteville police. I mean, and I see it. I watched those numbers, and I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, we saw them. Why do you need this money? I looked at 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 the numbers in Little Rock. Yes. Yeah, they should reach. They're they're predicted to reach a, a billion by, um, like twenty twenty five. I mean that's mm-hmm. that type of in of, four or five years. Yeah, that type of funding increase in funding where you're not increasing other programs or the training or the training. Yeah. Well, what are you doing? What does that reinforce? That the crime rate. You think the crime rate's going to go up? Well, if you have more police, you know, you have all these all these statistics. And teachers about, are still being paid so low, you know. So oh, it's yeah. like, <laughs> all the things. I mean, and the correlation between, you know, young student education versus crime rate. There's so there's so much there. There are so many proven things that we could be funding. Um, that Homelessness, can help the which. People don't see it as a big problem, which is a huge problem. Especially here, here in the NWA. It's I will growing. say that. They do not want to acknowledge the homeless community here. Yeah. But it's here. It's yeah. so here. And right now, specifically, you know, with my work that I do, like, um, I need help finding housing for a lot of my clients. And there isn't much available, specifically during the pandemic. So there's other places we know that money could be going to. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, it's not. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, is there is there anything else that you would like to mention to our listeners of any kind of uh, way that they can get involved with any of your projects or anywhere where they can uh, reach out to you and get in contact in case they want to work with you in anything? Um, so right now I release so much of my content and I go I try to go live once every two weeks or once a week um, to try to update people on art and what that looks like with the COVID and the Black Lives Matter movement and where we are, um, as well as how to protest and things that we need. My Facebook is my name, Natasha Devon, 
but that is N-A-T-O-S-H-A. I know that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> and my Instagram is I am Natasha Devon. Um, so yeah, those are two places where you guys can definitely look me up. I'm always talking. I talk so much, but I'm also <laughs> working a lot too. <laughs> I yeah. work when I talk too. Um, but yeah, those are two places where I will be. I will deliver the information and protests that I know about, and opportunities for artists in the area that are minorities to kind of get together and create projects. Um, those would be my platforms. Wonderful. And I think you're gonna uh, help us end the episode with a poem that's untitled, right? Yes, I wrote this maybe two or three days ago. So okay, I hope so I it's remember fresh. All of it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, before you start, just thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for joining us in our hot studio today. Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's, probably it's hot outside. It's in the studio. That's just how it goes. Thank we you appreciate guys for it. having me so yeah. much. That's and so we cool. look forward to having you in the future. You know, once this pandemic is over and your programs and the web series and everything launches, uh, we'd love to have you back so you can kind of give us an update on where everything is. Absolutely. I would love to. Yes, okay. yes, yes. And uh, the stage is yours to go ahead and okay. perform. They will say that we didn't try. Like black people ain't kneeled before the God and the government praying for a change, they will beg for more time. Like we ain't waited over 400 years. Like Solomon ain't spent his free life in shackles for 12. Like you want 25 of my 24 and the days keep getting longer. But when the smoke clears and the dust settles, there will always be another dead black body lost within the rubble. It will feel like the same day, like the repeat of past events submerged into the presence, the uneasy sigh of remorse when they claimed we were looking for an excuse. Like Negro corpses piling up at your doorstep ain't enough to make you want to take a brick through a window. Throw a brick through injustices and the justice system just won't let us be nice no more. But if you don't know your history, then you're bound to repeat it. Legs locked, slave boats bound, repeated. Keep the body, break the mind, bound, repeated. Mentally and strategically place straight jackets around their minds so they will be bound to let you repeat it. So this wrath has been brought to you by the burning sands of Africa. No red paint on your door will save you from this wrath. And even Jesus flipped tables in temples during moments of discontent. And black folks can no longer be content with your oppressive ways. We rise above the need taking justice in the form of riots. We meet your equality like an eye for an eye. Now everyone is blind and they can't see. We've been suffocating and we can't breathe. So we climb on top of the Statue of Liberty. We pull out her torch and burn the entire country down. Because if you refuse to hear our cries, then you will damn sure feel our fire. Thank you. Hey. <laughs> off the dome too that was straight <laughs> off the dome y'all thank you so much catch you all next week <laughs>